welcome to After the Sermon Podcast at Bethany Church in La Crosse, Wisconsin. We're glad you're joining us for another episode today. And as we get going, just a reminder where we have been as a church. We've been going through the book of 1 Peter, uh, studying 1 Peter uh, with the theme and the title of Chosen to be Set Apart. And honestly, just really looking to see what does it mean to be chosen by God. Uh, how does that practically live down our lives, being set apart and um, in all that God's called us to do, and how to really do that in light of real life and and what that means. One of the things that we actually talked about, I hadn't mentioned this before, but when we talked about the series, we actually, at one point, were looking at calling it real life holiness, because the idea of being set apart and being holy almost feels like this pie-in-the-sky idea, and yeah. and wanted to be honest about that, and at the same time really realizing Hey, this is real life. God, like He hasn't called us to this um, because it's impossible. He's called us to this because by His power we can't do this uh, in everyday life. So uh, we're excited to be still a part of that. Well, my name is uh, David Baxley. I'm one of the pastors here at Bethany Church. And joining us as we've had every week is is uh, Joe Roth. Yeah, excited to be here. Joe's helping produce the show we'll, and adds wonderful, colorful commentary as we go through yep. things as well. Will do. But also, a uh, special guest is I've actually my, asked my wife, Amy Baxley, to uh, come be a part of the podcast as well. You can say hi, Amy. Hi. Yes. And uh, <laughs> just because as we're going through this topic of marriage, um, hey, we want to kind of let you guys get a little idea of how Amy and I are in real honesty, wrestle through as best we can uh, through what this means and wrestle through the teachings that we talked about two weeks ago or um, with part one of this and then what we've done also now with uh, part two coming out Sunday where we got into First Peter more and want to just share our, share our hearts with you a little bit and let you hear from Amy. And my original desire was actually to have Amy um, be a part of the messages with me, bring her up at different points, share, um, share as well, and kind of walk through that with us. But as, as we were prepping, I was prepping and looking at the notes and where we were going, just realized time-wise we couldn't really give that justice. And so instead, wanting to bring that into here and allow for that conversation to take place uh, during the podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. But before we get into those, we've asked, if you got any questions, please email us. Email me. Email the church office. Let us know any questions you might have as we're coming out of each of the messages each week. And we'll try and speak to those and answer those here um, and during the podcast. And so we did get a question this week, and I appreciate the question. And the question we got had to do with... As I was talking about this week, starting with the book of Genesis, or two weeks ago, sorry, talking about the book of Genesis and looking at how God, about talking about God's image and how in, in, in the marriage that we have the completed image of God with male and female, with men and women, the husband and wife. And if you remember, I was using those block examples and I, I said, with just the husband there, the image is, is not complete. And yet he says, I'm going to bring you a helper, someone that completes the image, that what you actually need, uh, the dependency of the husband on the wife and the dependency of the wife on the husband as they complete the image of God to complete the calling that God has on them as a married couple. And so the question is, okay, but what about the Pauls of the world, meaning like the Apostle Paul, who got it called to singleness, uh, he lived a life of singleness and was not married, and uh, that was the call that God had for him. How does, how does that imagery that I talked about um, in the image of God, the completion of the image of God in a marriage, apply to a single person? Are they, are they only going to be half the image of God their whole lives? Do they not get to experience living in partnership with that completion? Like, what does that mean? And that is a fantastic question. And I really appreciate that. It's anytime you talk about marriage, I know that it is, it is tough to talk about it. It's tough to 
cover this and say, all right, well, here's, here, let me speak to this too in light of the different stages of life that we have in the room, whether it's a young single person, an older single person, someone that's widowed, someone that was married, someone that's divorced, you know, all these different tensions that we come into. And so I want to answer that question a little bit by going back quickly to Genesis chapter one, which is where we started uh, in the message. We said, we're going to start with the very beginning. And before we got into Genesis two, we said, Genesis one is the first creation story. If you remember and then Genesis 2 is the second one. Well, Genesis 2 is an emphasis on the husband-wife relationship. It's the emphasis on, um, on that uh, Adam needed the helper. And, that now, and then he says, because of this, after Adam and Eve come together, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother, united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. But in Genesis 1, we don't have an emphasis on the marriage relationship. We have an emphasis on God's creation each of the pieces that he created and when he got to creating mankind, humankind. And so again, we have this uh, in Genesis chapter one, starting with verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They, They will rule the flesh of the sea, the birds of the sky and the livestock, the whole earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. And he says, when he says make man, most of you might see a footnote in your Bible. It's actually like mankind or humankind. So then he says in verse 27, so God created man in his image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, man, male and female. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule the fish of the sea. And so as we look at that, before we get into chapter two, where we have a focus on the husband and wife relationship, first we have an emphasis in chapter one of God's uniqueness of just male and female. And, and this is an important thing to understand because I think there are two places, especially for the life of the Christian, actually for the life of a Christian, that is wanting to come and li- to line themselves up with God's desire and God's call for them. There's two places that I think God does that. And one of them is the marriage. And that's what we we're talking about. And, and that was my desire last week to point to that. But at the same time, this question is such a great question. And I want to come to um, Romans chapter 12 and, and, and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, both, as they're talking about who the body of Christ is. And, and, uh, and again, uh, Paul says in Romans, according to the grace given to us, we have different, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Uh, as now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one body. And I think the first place before marriage, as we're growing up in our faith, as we enter the body of Christ, we, male or female, we become individual members of one body. And I think the body of, just like marriage, the body of Christ is meant to be the picture of Christ on earth. Not No single one of us makes up, our by ourselves can be the church. No single one of us by ourselves with our, with our, who we are could accomplish everything the church is meant to do. But as we come together as individuals, as it says here in Romans 12, individually we make up one body, male and female. And I think that's an important recognition to say, whether you are married or not, marriage is, is a part of the body of Christ, and it's an image that God uses to talk about who he is and his relationship with us. But at the same time, we have also just the fact that he created male and female in their uniqueness, in their unique beauty, their unique roles to make up the body of Christ. And so the full image of God is not just seen and lived out in marriage. But the full image of God is also seen and lived out in male and female coming together in that same picture, side by side, in the body of Christ. 
in the unique stages of life that God has put us in, the unique calling and our unique genders, married, single, widowed, divorced, all of this exists in the church, all of this exists within different genders, and all that represents uniqueness that God has given to us in light of his calling on us to make up the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And even in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, Paul, who was single, said to the, the unmarried and to the widowers, it's best that you remain like I am. So if you're single and you're thinking, I'm not a completed picture of, of the image of God, that's just untrue because Paul himself says it is good that you are single. And one of the reasons he said that uh, was, he said, because a married person is concerned with more cares of this world. Right. He said the single person has a unique special ability for the kingdom of God to be con- fully consumed oh, yeah. w- with the kingdom of God, fully consumed with living out their lives dedicated to to the kingdom of God, the church, what God has called the church to be, uh, the body of Christ to be in the world. And yeah. there is a power and a freedom in that that is, is unmatched in a, for a married anybody that's married. And in the same way as Paul's saying this, he's saying in the body of Christ, though I'm still single, together we make up the full image because he goes in the, a couple chapter letters, later in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians where you just read from, uh, he hits that body of Christ image again. All of us complete yeah. are different no matter what stage of life, whether we're slaves, whether we're free, whether we're Greeks or whether we're Jews and uh, another body they reference, you know, whether male or female and, and all these different unique things that we cling to yet at the same time in our uniqueness, those are not our identifiers. We are in the body of Christ as we bring those together and together we complete the image of God. So um, I hope that helps answer that question. If not, please do a follow-up with us and let us uh, know that. But I want you to hear what I fully believe um, is that in the body of Christ is the first place where male and female come together and, and together they make up the image of God. Together, they complete that image. Like on the blocks, if we were just to put a whole church of people, the male and female of the whole church, instead of saying husband and wife, say just male and female on the blocks because of what Christ has done, uniting us where we were once divided because of the curse, uniting us to be the body of Christ. Um, each bringing our part to complete his image together for the world to see. Right. So that's, that's what I would, I, that's, that's my heart behind that. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, and uh, again, if you have other questions, please let us know even after this week or, um, or even follow up from two weeks ago. If this stimulated another question, please, please come back to us and, and let us know those. And we'll keep trying to, a- trying to answer those in the podcast. Right. So, um, uh, do you want to get into the abuse you mentioned in your sermon just a little bit? I know you mentioned it for a minute, but I'd like to get more into it and dive more into abuse, uh, in, uh, not only in marriage and what that means, like submit, wives submit to your husbands, but abuse is a, a real uh, problem, issue in the church that I don't think we realize and we don't talk about it. So maybe it might be nice to talk about it yes. on this podcast um, and yeah. get it out on the open because... The statistics out there are mind-blowing. I have a few uh, right in front of me that we can just go through, but this is 42%. These are from restoredrelationships.org. 42% in the church experienced at least one abusive act in a current and or previous relationship on at least one occasion. 71% of people in the church were aware of domestic abuse in their community, but only 37% thought it was a problem in their church. 
I think that's a, I, I'm glad you're bringing that up because honestly, it was, uh, talk about questions. Uh, I, it was actually given to me a question knowing we were going to hit uh, where we're going to First Peter this past week before I even got there. Uh, that was brought to me, which is why I tried to hit that in the sermon a little bit to at least mm-hmm. set the tone. But I do think it's really important to recognize that because in the past, historically, verses like First Peter, where we read that the phrase like, wives, submit to your husband. We see that in Ephesians as well. We see that in Colossians. Those have been used um, often against women, though I think, I think we have to recognize culturally today, both genders experience abuse. It is not a, a one-sided gender thing, but primarily and historically it has been uh, against women. And it has often been yep. told to women that, well, you know what, you just need to submit to your husband. And even though he is treating you in this way, he is, he is abusing you physically, verbally, whatever it might be, um, suck it up and pray for him and just know that you're honoring Christ with that. In fact, um, I think it was this time last year, I remember I was reading an article from some churches that uh, I had known in the South in Texas where I grew up uh, about a pastor and, um, and, and leader that uh, our family knew that I knew growing, uh, growing up and even in my adult years. And he was being removed from his position of leadership within the church because he had been counseling women in that way. And it, and it came back and it said, this is broken. This is wrong. And please, I want to affirm how wrong and broken that is. When Christ calls us here, and, and, and I talked about how this week and the week before, that the context of this uh, that he's calling us to is to see ourselves in light of Christ. Christ suffered and he set the example for us that he did not retaliate. Um, he did not fight back. He committed no sin. Uh, and, that, and that he is our example of how to be willing to suffer Right and or not have things that we want them to, and still live like Christ in situations that are what we want. Okay, so let me just say, yeah, that's true, absolutely. But I don't believe that it all means someone that is in the middle of abuse, that is uh, experiencing physical uh, abuse or emotional abuse or or a combination of abuses that all go that we can talk about in marriage, is to say just smile and submit and, and and sit under that for as long as it takes and just try to pray in the freedom. That is not what I believe that is the right thing to do. So first of all, if you're in that situation, I mentioned on Sunday, but I want to say it right now, as a church here at Bethany, uh, we're here for you. We want you to come and tell us about this because we want to help you um, help you know that you're not alone, to help you know that you are not trapped in the middle of the situation without hope, and you're not trapped in the middle of the situation without a group of believers ready to help you, uh, protect you, take care of you, take care of kids, take care of the husband or wife, whoever is experiencing this abuse. abuse. And in, in light of this, I think there there are a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a, there's a lot of things that we can do in the church that are consistent with honoring God in our marriages that do not at all in any way keep us trapped into an abusive situation like that. And I think it's totally appropriate, especially with a desire to say, this is so abusive. This is so broken. This is so dangerous. I'm out. I'm out of this situation. I'm removing myself. Yeah. And I've 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 helped people, counsel people through this. Where it's like, okay, you need to maybe step out of that home. You need to step out of that home right now. And the church, we're going to help you do that. And we're going to try and protect you and find a safe place for you. Um, and then we're going to help. We're going to help confront this. But even confronting it, if the if the if the, if the abusee has to stay in the home, is very dangerous often. And so to provide a way for them to get out, help them get out of that situation. And I'm not saying to 
to just say, let's just send them to divorce court right now. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying get them out of that situation so that we can support the person being abused. And at the same time, especially if the abuse, uh, the abuser is in the church, right? If the abuser is someone who's claiming to be a Christian as in the church, man, the Bible yeah. gives us clear, clear, clear call to confront that, to call that out, to, to get in the middle of that and to confront that sin that is, that is taking place in marriage. Again, because marriage is so sacred, we've got to confront that. And yeah. so I look at that static and it's like 71% believed it was, community, it was in their community, 31% only thought, yeah. uh, didn't think it was in their church. Uh, and we know that stat is... Thought it was a problem. Yeah, even though it was a problem. Was a pr- 71% were aware of it and only half of those people believed it was an actual problem, the abuse. And on that note, first, if you've ever been in that situation, if you've been counseled by a pastor, a church leader, whatever it might be, with that bad counsel we talked earlier, let me just say I'm so sorry that you experienced that, that you were told that, that you did not receive the love and support uh, that you, that God, what I, I believe, wanted you to receive from his body, from his church. And so please know that is not the standard or approach that we, in any way we'd want to do here, Bethany. And in fact, we'd want to come alongside you, help you find, help give you protection, uh, become a buffer for you, help you find safety, uh, and, and walk that with you. And knowing that your desire is to want to honor God, but yet, hey, this is a dangerous situation. We're going to help you walk this. And what that looks like, it's going to look different in every situation. I want to sit here and say there's a blanket in result of every one of those. And there's a blanket uh, absolute that has to happen with all of those. But to say that God's given us some really clear ways of how we can even potentially have to give up our own rights. Even say in marriage and things like that, which I talked about on Sunday. But that is not a give, that is not a, and I'm just saying abuse is a situation. So I just want to speak to that and tell you if you're in the church and you know of abuse like that, uh, you need to uh, please do not pretend like that doesn't there. You go to yeah. that person, I'll offer your support. To, what can you do? And if, and hey, they might be scared and they may be in a place where like nothing, don't worry about it, don't make it worse. And that's a very d- tough situation to be in. Right. But please don't ignore that. Get help. Uh, get someone that can intervene in that situation uh, professionally, legally, even. And we have the government. We talked about that in chapter two. They are meant to execute justice. And you know what? That is Not only is it against God's moral law in marriage, it is against the law of yeah. our country. And, and, there is, and rightfully, as Paul did when he called upon the law to make sure justice was being done toward him, and he called uh, upon Caesar for that. <laughs> he shouldn't have done that. Well, we'll come back to that another time. <laughs> but, uh, but rightfully he could. And at the same time, that the church is there to help you walk that legally, yeah. spiritually, relationally, emotionally, but to protect you and love on you in that situation. Yeah, and I think that this stat of 42% of people who are in the church are being abused. Just know you're not alone. Like A lot of times I know abuse victims feel like right. I'm the only one that's going through this. No, like 42%. That's good. That's half the people in the church. This person you're sitting next to on a Sunday morning may be going through the exact exact same thing and it needs to be brought out into the light and I'd like to get Amy's opinion as like a wife and a mother and um, just what would you say to somebody who is maybe struggling and thinking I'm the only one or maybe it's not as bad as I'm thinking it is what would you say to someone to say this is serious 
Well, I'm a little bit emotional listening to you guys, so I appreciate Good. you putting this out there because it it's a difficult thing. And um, I think that what I have been thinking about while listening to the two of you talk is um, that, yeah, we think we're the only one or we think that it is not as bad as it is. I was told once by a therapist, actually, that you can sit 12 women... I'm using women as an example, but like David mm-hmm. said, men can be abused as well. Um, you can sit them in a room, and each woman can tell her story. Well, my husband pinches me, but that's not abuse. Another one can say, well, mine shoves me, but that's not abuse. And another one can say, well, mine chokes me, but that's not abuse. Or And they can go around, and every other woman can look at that woman and say, you're being abused, yep. And but um, an abused person can often think it's not really abuse or they don't want to be dramatic or they don't want to be a victim. So where that leads me to is um, we at Bethany have what we call grow groups and it's to help us live in Christian community. And I think it's so important that um, people are living in Christian community and our grow groups help that, but that's where you can build relationships with people where you can feel safe and you can grow in intimacy and um, they're like family and close friends and those are the people you can confide in if you don't feel brave or like you don't know for sure you're not sure what's going on or you don't like I don't want to accuse somebody of abuse I'm confused Um, or if I I don't know if I should go to a pastor. I don't want to um, slander the person I'm in relationship with, but something doesn't feel right. You can share with um, a sister in Christ or a, a, a couple, and people can um, pray with you and help you discern and help you take the next steps. You don't have to do that alone. So I think uh, one is uh, if something doesn't feel right, it might not be right. Um, and if it doesn't feel like love the way Jesus loved us, then it's probably not right. And just living in community, having, um, I am always happy to talk with people. Uh, I talk with a lot of people that are struggling with different things, including abuse. Um, and it could be, you know, different mental health issues or addictions or things like that. But um, I am a person that it's always willing to talk to someone if you don't have anyone else. I know that David meets with people. The other pastors here meet with people. There are people, there are women in women's ministry that would be happy to talk with someone. And it doesn't have to be putting someone on blast or outing them to their bad behaviors or their sin. You can confidentially talk to someone and just say, I don't know. Like I, I actually have struggled with depression and anxiety my whole life. So I see a therapist every single week which we'll actually talk about when we get to the scripture. But um, sometimes I, because I struggle with different things, behavioral illness and um, insecurities and things, sometimes I don't know if my relationships with people are healthy or not. So it just helps sometimes to share a situation and have have somebody say, yeah, I don't think you're being treated well in that situation. That's good. That's really good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And so hopefully if you're hearing that, hear all of our hearts. And um, I, I have a question. Like if I am a grow group leader, like where do I go from there? If somebody in my group or if me personally has been abused, where do I like, what do I, what are the steps to say, man, this is, 
so, a problem and I need to so I would just really encourage you to come talk to uh, come talk to a pastor come talk to myself uh, Pastor Billy Pastor Norv um, and specifically because we've, we've had to walk this before yeah. you know it might feel like hey I don't even know what to do this is the first time I've ever seen this well you know Sadly, it's not the first time we've seen it, not the first time we've had to walk it. And so come talk to us. It's a safe place. It's confidential. And uh, my job is not to force anyone to act in a certain way or respond in a certain way. My job is to say, here's what I'm here for to help. Here's, here's some options. Here's what I might advise you to do. Um, both you know, a grow group leader who's trying to figure out how to handle it if they're seeing something yeah. and to walk that in a very careful way, um, but honest way. And at the same time, uh, for someone that might be even experiencing abuse, that's like, please, I, I just don't know what to do. I'm not asking you to do anything yet. I'm just talking to you about it. That's okay. You can come and just talk to us about it. Uh, if that's what you need right now, that's what we're here for. But we're also here to empower you to not be trapped into this, to not let scriptures like this tell you a lie um, of, of, of just living on there and, and, and sucking it up and taking the punches as it were. So that is not what it's, it's calling us to. And, and, and so that really takes us into where we want to talk about what it is calling us to. We talked on Sunday right. and it was a lot we had to squeeze in a short amount of time. And so one of the reasons, um, I wanted him here is because, uh, there was a guy out there the whole time talking about this idea of, in First Peter three, so as it says, depending on your translations, First um, Peter chapter three uh, in the CSB version, which I read on Sunday, says, "In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they be won over without a word by the way their their wives live." And so again, we start with that word submit, and that's a that's that's a um, that's a trigger word. Let's just be honest with that, like right. because it has a lot of meaning. It has a lot of meaning in our culture. Uh, it has a lot of meaning in the Greek. And it has a lot of meaning in uh, in what had been the historical culture of of the time period that that uh, Peter was writing to, and so I, I appreciate the definition that we was our starting point for this that Pastor Billy began uh, three weeks ago when he talked about it at the beginning uh, of chapter two, starting verse twelve, of uh, submit to human authority, and he said this. He said this is the definition that for us it speaks to voluntary cooperation or helping someone carry a load, and and so again it's this idea of of voluntarily coming alongside uh, something that God has called you to, put you under, put you in, middle of. I like how, and I mentioned this on Sunday, the CEV version helps give us context. It says, if you're a wife, you must put your husband first. And so, Amy, just, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but I promise everyone that we have not scripted this out anyway. Um, but They uh, talked about it last night at dinner. <laughs> yeah, that is true. We did talk about it last night at dinner. But I actually really appreciated some of the things Amy was saying. Just like, I was like, oh, I didn't even thought of it like that. Like, because I, I'm not a wife, right? I haven't thought about what this means. I, I, I can tell you how I practically believe how God's called me to live the other part of First Peter to me. But I kind of haven't thought a lot about what the practically looks like for you as a wife, mother, and all of that within the context of marriage. So, so working with those definitions, that voluntary cooperation, helping carry a load, or put your husband first in your life. And I compare that to like Christ is, is in a sense dying to ourselves and being willing to be like Christ to our husbands. But what does that mean to you? Like, how do you see that practically everyday marriage life? Well, I'll start with saying that I don't do it 
Well, always, oftentimes, actually. Um, I think she actually does it better than she thinks she does. So I just want people to know that. Uh, when I asked her to do this, she's like, you're asking me? I'm like, yeah, you're great at this. She's like, really? Like, so she's very humble, which is a great quality about her. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I guess I'll start with saying that... Um, this used to come a little bit easier for me because um, I was actually in the secular workforce. I had a career in banking, and I loved it. David was in full-time ministry, but I served in the ministries that he served, and I was very passionate about those ministries. So for me, um, it was easy to uh, be his helper in the area of ministry. And I loved that. And I was very passionate about it. And everything he did, I did with him to the best of my ability. We'd come home after a day's work, he working at a church and myself in banking. And we, I would just be like, so what'd you do today? You know, I was very excited, um, friends with the people that he was on staff with and everything. And I just loved it. So it was, it's my passion. Um, and even though I was exhausted from working, I, it was just still my passion. So I was very, um, I felt very fortunate to be his helper and be able to serve. And uh, we would compare ourselves sometimes, not necessarily compare ourselves, but we would be friends with other couples that we saw struggling a little bit more with the balance of home life and ministry. And I naively said, I think God just created me to be your spouse because I don't care if you're at the church every night of the week. And I'm an introvert anyway, so if I'm not serving with you, I'm home alone and I'm digging my home alone type. So then uh, enter our son, Desmond, who is now six years old, and I'm understanding the struggle more where um, I can't serve side by side in everything that David does anymore. And I'm tired because I have a child and I'm struggling with discipline and the home life and whatever. So um, I found myself a lot less of a faithful, a faithful, what's the word, uh, partner and serving together in ministry and helper. And also my attitude has been a lot more like, I need to get what I need from my husband instead of serving yeah. together wow. with him. Um, so I, where at one time we do young adult ministry, at one time... Um, we hosted, and I participated in all of the housekeeping and the um, the meal preparation and the mingling and the talking with everybody. And then there came a season throughout my pregnancy and having an infant and whatever. And and David took on that a lot more of that role of preparing for things that we hosted at our house. Which isn't necessarily a wrong thing. So if women are listening to this, I don't want you to think um, my husband should or shouldn't do things around the house. I've always had... Yes, make da- sure you let him know that. <laughs> <laughs> David and I have been married for 17 years, and he's done the dishes more than I have those whole 17 years. However, um, what changed wasn't how we delegated those things. It was my attitude more. If we both came home on a Sunday, he's tired from preaching. I'm tired from leading worship. My heart was saying, um, 
this is his ministry, the young adult ministry. He wants to host it here. He wants to do this so he can sweep and mop, and I'm going to go rest. So it is very trying, and um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows that's involved in our ministries, worship, young adults, everything, that I love all the people that we're in ministry with. And so my heart for the people and the ministry hasn't changed. I'm just simply more tired, so my attitude has changed. Um, yeah, so that's one of the things that I've Well, and at the same with. time, I want to come back to the husband side of that same equation mm-hmm. because even as you're wrestling through from the wife's side, we come to First Peter, and we he says, but husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as uh, the weaker partner. And I, I talked about this more, so I'm not going to re-preach any of that stuff, but I like, again, uh, how the CE version says, uh, you should be thoughtful of your wife and treat her with honor. Uh, and, and as I look at that word honor, I see lift her up. So at the same time, maybe saying, oh man, what is my role in, what do I need to make sure I, I still do as this partner and help, help her? And I'm sitting there, I'm saying the same thing to myself and I have to wrestle with that because I can be selfish too. And I can be like, well, where's my, where's my partner in this? But at the same time, I want to lift Amy up. And so as our seasons have life has changed, it'd be easy just as much as the struggle was for her. It was a struggle for me and we had to navigate this and learn this together. And it was, we'll tell you, like, since having this little guy in our lives who we love so much, it's been the toughest years of our marriage because we're re-navigating. We're being married 17 years. He's six. We had 10 years without a little kid. And so that's just a totally different life, right? And now we have this little one and it changes everything. And so my, my calling from God, no matter what Amy does, and she's saying this about herself too, but the same thing for me to be like Christ and to lift her up. Like to treat her with honor and to live with her in an understanding way. Whereas even if she says, I really feel like I should be doing this, but I just can't. I'm exhausted. And this, say like, that's okay. Cause I, I'm going to live in an understanding way and I'm going to honor you. And, and even, and you know, we kind of really have in our marriage just kind of said, we don't, we're not a really big fan of traditional gender roles. Like I've, I've, I, I don't see that in scripture and I don't haven't, we have not lived that in our home. Uh, and so really it's been, what is the roles we need to take on that support each other? What is the role that takes on? And I like how Peter ends this, that has us living as co-heirs, equal partners in Christ in this marriage that he has called us to. And so even as, as we talk about this, Amy shares her tension, the same thing. I got a response to that. And my response has to be the same heart that she's saying, I'm struggling with this and yet I want to do this and I'm battling with it. And I'm saying, well, I want to do something and I'm battling with it, but I'm just mm-hmm. as much called to lift her up I think and to you, honor her. I would, I would argue that you as the husband are even more responsible for it because it doesn't say that the wife's prayers will be hindered. It says that the husband's prayers will be hindered. So let's go with that. Let's, let's yeah, let's, 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 let's just put it all on let's, you. Yeah. Like, like and, and there is something significant about that at the end of chapter seven, when it comes to the husband, you're right. It says, do all of this, see her in this way so that your prayers will not be hindered. Yeah. Meaning if husbands, if you don't live this out in an understanding way, lifting your wife up with honor, treating her as this precious vessel, uh, and, and, and with all that comes with that. And I talk about that a lot in the message. So if you have questions about that, throw us at them, but we're not going to explain it right now. But um, you're absolutely right. And now there's this big thing to me. And I've I've had to go before God and say, have mercy on me. I am screwed this up. And when I have screwed this up, say, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I had to go to my wife and say, I've screwed this up. Have mercy on me. Please forgive me. God, don't let my prayers be hindered. Hear my heart. I'm trying to repent of this uh, when I haven't got it right uh, for the sake of 
for the sake of wanting, realizing that this is a super high standard that God has put also on me as a husband. So I, I, th- I think like, yeah. and you're right, he does. He puts it extra on me in that, in this area as a husband. And, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons why he does that. And we can kind of, um, if we got questions on those people want to ask us more questions about these, we'd be happy even doing a part two podcast just on this. I would this. love to. Yeah. I have so much yeah. more to say. I know you do. Yeah. I, 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 this, it goes quick. So. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, but Amy, add to the, just, I, just that there's two things that you mentioned that just spoke to me because I felt so much love even as you described the two things we talked about dinner last night mm-hmm. that just were examples for you of how you can put your husband first mm-hmm. and how you've seen it. Can you just hit those really quick? Cause I think those are really, well, those are powerful. I think what you're speaking to is, um, so I think, you know, I've been a believer for a while. So first uh, Peter is not new to me, but, um, every time I read it, what stood out to me in the same way, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands. And then it goes on. And that always stood out to me, and I never heard anybody teach on it. But, for example, women, um, if you have a career or if you, uh, even if you seek counsel from a pastor or a therapist or something, you will sometimes be um, in relationship with other men. Um, I, for example, I, I mean, when we were doing ministry, formerly I had a worship pastor that I worked with very closely, and David used to say we were the same person. Um, so I could relate to this other person really well, but I, I couldn't use that against David and say, well, so-and-so values when I do this, or, yeah. or said, my therapist, yeah, or the pastor I sought counsel from said this, so you're wrong and I'm right, or I see a therapist and he validates me in this area, so he's, you know, you need to change. We cannot, we submit to our own husbands. If we do, I mean, we're going to be aware of our husbands sinning against us at times, and that's where I like, you know, I... Those of you that know me, James 3 is like my chapter that I have to meditate on, and it's the taming of the tongue. I'm quick-witted and sharp-tongued, and my husband can sometimes be the target of that. So where I have to practice this submission is awesome, also in the area of what I speak to him, and I need to win him over with my reverence and my prayers. There are oftentimes saying, somebody said this, I think I'm right, you're wrong, does not win him over. It's praying for him, even if I do come to the knowledge that maybe he's sinning against me in, the, in an area. That's good. The second thing, other than other husbands, is children. Women, we spend a ton of time with our children, and it's easy to put them first. Um, and I'm sorry, but I believe our husbands come should be more important to us than our children. And I would love to talk about that more, but I know we're running out of time. So, um, but I mean, we all see it happening. We want to protect them, care for them, love them, cuddle them. And, and, but we need to submit to our husbands in that area as well. And they need to come before our children. So, amen. Well, and again, thank you, Amy, for being here. And if we get a couple emails of people wanting to hear more from Amy and even hear more, even more like our, we'll get more real with you guys if we have more time on our own struggles. We had those extra questions that came in and we wanted to hit those. So if you'd like to email us, Amy and I could do a part two sometime on this podcast to build from it. But thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't followed us yet, follow us on Spotify, follow us on uh, Apple Podcast, and you should get those every week. And remember, this is released on Sunday right after the first service message is preached. So you can listen to the message on your way home, go out or whatever, listen to the podcast. And uh, again, thank you so much. Let's continue to run after God. What does it mean to be his chosen people set apart to be his church for his glory? Have a great week.